Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. All right, you guys, welcome, welcome to Katie Kennedy, who is my guest today. So excited to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I love podcasts. I've yeah. <laughs> never been on one though. So thank yeah, you. We were just chatting about our favorite podcasts before we started on this and how there's some that were like, we should not mention that podcast. And some that were like, yes, that podcast is amazing. Yes. <laughs> All right. So Katie, tell us who you are, what do you do, and how did you get to this place in your career? Yeah. Well, I'm an RN and a board certified lactation consultant. I've been a nurse for 16 years. <laughs> I had to think wow. about that. Um, I started my career as the NICU nurse and I've always loved babies. I knew really early on in my going through nursing school that that's what I wanted to do, that the tiniest little patients were my passion. So I worked in the NICU for 10 years. And then during that time, I had my own kids. And so I have three boys, ages 14, 12, and eight. And like many, many moms, I struggled with breastfeeding, especially with my first. And I had this great lactation consultant, Ramona. (laughs) You remember her name because it's that important. (laughs) It is that important. She was immensely helpful and encouraging. And I basically wanted to become Ramona. I wanted to do for other moms what she did for me. And so I've been a lactation consultant since 2013. And I've worked in a big hospital system. Now I work in a peds clinic with you. And my job is super rewarding. Each mom baby couplet is so unique that each day for me is different and never boring. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I kind of got here. That's awesome. Tell me more about Ramona. What were the things that inspired you by her? What did, what did she do that was so cool? Ramona, she's very calming. She's also very straightforward. She didn't make me feel like my questions as a first-time mom were stupid. I mean, even being a NICU nurse, you know, I had all this experience with babies, and yet I had my own, and I really felt like I was in a whole new place. And Mm -hmm. so her help was empowering. It made me feel I had confidence versus telling me what to do and how to do it. I almost feel like it was worse for me because I knew, I knew what I was supposed to know. Right. I knew this is the way it's supposed to be. And you're, this should be pretty easy. Like, I feel like there's a whole lot of information out there, misinformation out there about because it's natural, it should be an easy Easy. thing. And if you're educated enough, or if you read enough, then it should be an easy thing. And this is like a test you can prepare for. And then I found, no, not at all. Yeah. My babies, my baby, my first especially, he didn't follow the rules. I thought all babies in the NICU should be on a 3, 6, 9, 12 schedule. Mm-hmm. And he woke up at 10 mm-hmm. <laughs> and wanted to eat. So he didn't follow what I thought was was going to happen. And so I had to change my game plan. And she helped me kind of rethink that. Yeah. I would think especially working in the NICU because the NICU is so much about schedules 
this happens and then three hours later it needs to happen again and you can kind of predict what's going to happen. And then when you get home with your own baby, it feels like there's lots, a loss of control. Yeah. It's unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is one of the main things I see and you see in clinic too, is like this feeling from moms of how do I control this? How do I figure out like, Mm -hmm. what's the plan? Like I really need a very, very specific plan. I think you do an excellent job of trying to give them as much of a specific plan as possible, but the reality is babies do their own thing. Yeah. We can have 16 bullet points on a feeding plan and be very rigid about that. But the truth is, I think flexibility is probably going to be more beneficial in the end. Yeah. Take that, take those, you know, bullet points and then be loose with them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like have a structure, but then if it doesn't go your way, be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Okay, really so fun. so speaking of babies that don't follow the plan and mm-hmm. do the right thing, what are the, some of the biggest struggles you see moms facing as they set out trying to breastfeed? I think a lot of moms, again, just like me, you go into it with certain expectations or people say, you know, this is going to be so easy or they hear the other thing, this is going to be so hard and realizing that their experience is really going to be what it is. Their story is not going to be my story. And so there's just not, like you said, a way to where it's very predictable. There are certain challenges that kind of, you know, are common challenges like sore nipples or engorgement or real low milk supply or perceived low milk supply or latch issues, tongue tie. There's all these things that are some common challenges but it's really not a one-size-fits-all thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's kind of what we're up against. Definitely. And when do you think are the points where women really need to access help in order to get through those tough points? What are the moments that you think are critical for mom says, raise a hand, I need help, or to seek out help from a pediatrician or lactation person? I mean, I think the earlier, the better. You know, if you suspect there's a problem or if you're just a home wondering if there's a problem. Sometimes it's hard to decipher what's normal and what's abnormal with mm-hmm. this with this newborn because you're new, you're just getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. This is a new relationship. And so I think getting help probably earlier the better is going to be beneficial in the long run. Maybe that's in the first few days, maybe the first few weeks, but seeking help. Yeah. Two things on that. One, in our community, in our system, like all systems, resources, of course, are limited, right? Mm-hmm. In hospital systems and that type of thing. And so I know that for a long time, every single mom in our community was getting at some of our local hospitals was getting a lactation consultant. Someone would come in, consultation. Someone would come in, they would see the baby. Maybe mom's milk wouldn't be in yet, but they would at least get like a hands-on touch to see, mm-hmm. is there something that's going to potentially lead to problems? And some of that fell by the wayside as resources got reallocated or re appropriated. Yeah. I don't know. And so whenever I'm at the hospital, I'm always telling people, be the squeaky nice wheel. Yes. Don't be a jerk, but ask the people that are working with you, hey, can you watch me with this latch? Hey, to my provider, when they come see you, will you order a lactation consult for me? I feel like you can never get too much help in the very beginning. Yeah. And I think sometimes people have the misconception that if it's your second or third baby, you already have the wheels rolling. You know what's going on. You you know how to do this, especially if you've breastfed before. But it's okay to still ask. And sometimes yeah. it's everything's going well. And it's just reassurance. 
but maybe things are not. And then if we can intervene at that point early on, then we have some of the better outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. The second thing I was going to say on that is just that I also remember with my own baby being home and being super engorged with my first baby and having like the pee bags, like in my bra, <laughs> like I'd be like walking around and I have my bra. And first of all, my mom was like mortified, like, what are you doing? Like your husband's here and I'm here. What's happening? And I had to be like, dude, it's 2013. Calm down. But, but second of all, just feeling really like, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been in the exact position to like see this part of it or to like at least experience it. And I remember calling the lactation people and saying, not from our clinic, but in general calling and just saying like, Hey, I think I have a problem. And I remember them being, I'm sure you're fine. (laughs) And I wished that at that moment I kind of advocated for myself and said, well, even if I am, I would love to just be seen. So that way I can just make sure that it's all going okay. Because yeah. I've never done this before and I feel nervous and I'm in pain and I want it to go as well as possible. Yeah. You know, there's this whole thing about this is something that people used to do in huts or in like communes with their families, with their sister watching them and like giving them tips and like their grandma. And then now it's just you at home with maybe a partner who has absolutely no idea what they're doing or just you alone by yourself And so like, how can we expect people to be successful if they don't reach out to get help from someone who actually knows what they're doing? Right. I mean, moms are discharged from the hospital with, congrats, good luck, figure it out on your own. And then like you're saying, you're at home and your nipples are bleeding and your breasts are engorged and your baby won't latch. And that makes moms already feel like they failed. And this is like day three after delivery, right? right? And so sometimes, like you're saying, sometimes it could just be a phone call. I mean, I laugh because I used to have our advice nurse on speed dial. I mean, when speed dial was a thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I would call her all the time and ask her about spit up or poop or lack of poop. And what I appreciated was she was reassuring. She didn't make me feel like this call wasn't worth it, Mm -hmm. but it helped me gain confidence to know what my baby's norm was. Yeah. Same thing going in and having a lactation appointment with Ramona after my first was born. It was reassuring. It helped me actually know how to follow my mom instincts Yeah. versus just sitting at home and feeling unsuccessful. Yeah. No, I think at that's this brand new skill. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's golden. I think for, for listeners, I hope you heard that point she was making, which is you will develop your own sense of mom skill of mom intuition if you get help early on Mm -hmm. because then you'll learn just like if you're on like a soccer team, like you have to have your coach show you what to do first before you can like get good at shooting goals, right? Like that's right. That's a good analogy. Yeah. You just don't start out as an expert in this. I think you and I both see the moms that fall into a pretty deep depression or anxiety Mm -hmm. postpartum really soon after giving birth, I think faster than they expect it. They're expecting it maybe at like the two week or like the one month mark, but when it's like at three days and they feel like a failure, Yeah. And I always say nothing is broken here. I mean, (laughs) this is a brand new, feeding is a brand new skill for your infant. Your infant has never fed before. And if this is the first time that you've ever breastfed, you are a novice teaching a novice. Yeah. And to expect that that's going to be easy peasy, I think it's false. I mean, if it is easy, great. Embrace it. Enjoy Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But if it's not, seek help, like you're saying. Yeah. All right. So... 
at the hospital asking for help, when they get home asking for help, making a phone call, what other things can moms do to set themselves up for success with breastfeeding? Either schedule-wise, what can they do in terms of taking care of their own breasts? What can they do to make it so that no matter what's happening with their baby, even if they aren't following an exact plan, can they feed at a certain interval or like attempt to feed at a certain interval, make it so that it's not too long at their breasts? Like talk about those things. Yeah. Well, I definitely think moms need to be advocating for themselves. I mean, we add a lot to our plate, right? We kind of fill it to the rim. So I think when you get home from the hospital, thinking about that your number one job, if you are choosing to breastfeed, is to feed your baby. Mm -hmm. I mean, letting the other things go. And it's okay to delegate in the home. It's okay to ask for help and to accept help without feeling are looking weak. I know a lot of times, you know, we can do it all, right? We can be the super mom, but we don't need to be cooking the casserole and doing cleaning and chauffeuring. I mean, yeah. we can let those things go so yeah. that we can focus in on this infant and their feeding. In terms of, again, kind of the nitty gritty of breastfeeding, you know, milk is established and the milk usually comes in somewhere between day three and day five after delivery. Mm -hmm. It gets established in the first couple of weeks. And so that's really the time when you want to feed your baby on demand. Mm -hmm. And I know we're very schedule oriented, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. society. So when I say that, it scares people. But I just like to say that feeding schedules tend to be variable with sometimes of clustering, sometimes of maybe longer extended sleep. But just know that it's not going to be what I thought, that 3, 6, 9, 12 schedule. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a little more loose and dictated by your baby's needs. And I like to say, you know, babies are not manipulative. They don't have anything against you sleeping. Right. <laughs> but it can feel that way. And babies yeah. are, you know, they're a bit of night owls. And so kind of knowing that maybe they are going to be up a lot at night. So setting yourself up for success by maybe taking a nap in the afternoon. There's mixed things that people say when it comes to breastfeeding and nipple tenderness and pain. You'll hear some people say it should never be painful. And then you'll hear others say it's normal to have some tenderness at the start or maybe just with a latch initiation. Again, I just think it's different for every mom. Yes, yeah. I I just don't have a blanket statement yeah. for, for those. Yeah. Um, although I know that you would say, if your nipples are bleeding and cracked, oh, yes, <laughs> this is a problem and you should not like, continue on without assistance. <laughs> no, I think, I think if there's more than, like you're saying, if there's crack, bleeding, bruising, any of those things, or pain that's lasting throughout the feed, or your toes are curling when your baby latches, or you are anticipating pain, mm -hmm. those are probably signs that you need to get help. Not that there's yeah. something definitely horribly wrong yeah. or ruined, but it could be a good red flag to call someone. Yeah, totally. The other thing that I see, I know you see too in clinic is I see a lot of moms who in the very first week or so, their baby is naturally sleepy just because that is when a baby is kind of still in this like little baby, like coma after they've been born. And I see sometimes parents tell me like, oh my gosh, it was so amazing. They slept for like eight hours last night. That was so great. I'm like, oh, there is a feedback loop, right? Of your baby eats and then that stimulates your breasts to make more milk. And then that makes your baby, you know, blood sugar go up a bit and then they're more excited to eat mm -hmm. and whatnot. So we're always encouraging people to at least give an attempt about every three hours. And if your baby doesn't go like gangbusters and they're not eating a tent, that's okay. But at least try to like drive that feedback loop in the positive direction. Yeah. And I think most, most baby, a healthy baby is going to be asking to be fed at least probably eight, probably 10 
even 12 times in a 24-hour period. Yeah. For those babies who are sleepy or, you know, like you're saying, sleeping for eight hours yeah. or lethargic, that's probably the place where, yeah, parents need to be a little bit more persistent and waking that baby to feed, getting that baby up, changing their diaper, keeping them roused during the nursing session. Yeah. Hi, Mama. Guess what? Our book, The New Baby Blueprint, is out in the world. We're so excited because we know it's going to help change the new motherhood experience. The bump said, they say motherhood doesn't come with a manual, but the new baby blueprint comes pretty close. You can find it wherever books are sold or check it out at modernmommydoc.com forward slash book. I always feel like people are surprised by how much we were in the office, like we'll stimulate a baby to get them to feed or you will. No. Yeah. Yeah, like, I torture him with my cold yeah. hands. She like the I'm chicken wing <laughs> with her arm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's one thing you could learn from a lactation consultant is like what's okay. Because, I mean, here's this little tiny fragile being. Yeah. And, of course, I think we're all kind of worried to like damage that baby by stimulating them. But there are some things you can do that are not going to hurt your baby at all that will make it so that it's easier for them to get the most out of yeah. the feed. There's a big difference between sleeping at the breast and actually eating at the breast. Right. And so there's nice, there's the gentle ways to wake your baby to feed. That could be skin to skin. That could be changing a diaper. That could be dad kind of walking around the room even, change a baby's position. Mm-hmm. At the breast, that could be tickling his toes or like you said, chicken wing which is one of my favorites. Yeah. I think the best way though to stimulate a baby to eat is using breast compression or massage. Hmm. It's like you're just hand expressing into that baby's mouth and reminding them, oh yeah, you're eating. Keep doing this. You're basically, for lack of a more eloquent word, you're like pushing a little bit of the milk into their mouth Uh for them so they don't have to do the work. Yes. In the very beginning. Yes. And that way they're like, ooh, reward, sweet reward. Okay, I'll go for it. We're all about immediate (laughs) gratification, right? (laughs) Okay, love it. All right. So how about galactagogs? Can you talk about that? And galactagogs, you can look it up on Google, but it basically just means things that help milk supply to increase that kind of encourage milk supply. Yeah, exactly. So galactagogs are herbs or food that increase milk production. Specifically, most of them are said to increase prolactin levels and prolactin is the milk producing hormone. Commonly used ones are fenugreek, blessed thistle, oats, fennel, goat rue, moringa. I mean, the list goes mm-hmm. on and on. To be honest, the research is mixed about their effectiveness. Mm-hmm. I mean, for some moms, they work. Mm-hmm. For some moms, they don't notice much of a, of a difference in their supply. If you walk down any baby aisle at a store, you're going to see lactation bars and cookies and supplements. Mm-hmm. And if you want to try them, I always say, There's probably no harm in doing so. I mean, if you're worried, talk to your provider. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But whether they're going to work or not is variable. Yeah. And there's just no substitute for supply and demand. I mean, that is the rule of the game. The more you take, the more you make. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an important point just in general, right? About babies. Like there's a whole industry out there designed to make money off of our fears around things. Yeah. Our worries. Yes. And breastfeeding is one of the major fears that moms have. And so people will sell you anything (laughs) to make it so that you'll like 
feel better about the breastfeeding. So check with your lactation consultant or check with your provider before you start stuff because they might have a better idea, be able to give you some actual pointers on which ones they found have worked better with their patients, tell you at least how long it should be that you should try it before you say this is not working. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Okay, cool. How about when it comes to getting ready to go back to the workplace about trying to have a long-term breastfeeding relationship with a baby? Talk about that. Cause I know you run, I mean, you even run a class that's about <laughs> like getting ready to go back to the workplace at our office and all of that. So talk about fears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the back to work after baby is a big transition. There's lots of books written about it. Because it's that like next big step, right? Mm-hmm. You have your baby, you bring them home, and now this is kind of that next milestone. And I think for many moms, there's a lot of uncertainty about it. And especially when we bring breastfeeding into the equation, yeah. that pumping at work makes it a little extra challenging. Mm-hmm. Not to say that it's not doable. And I talk to a lot of moms who are excited to go back to work or they they feel ready or even relieved. I mean, going back to work elicits the spectrum of emotions, right? Yes. I mean, I remember it going back to work with each of my kids and feeling a little worried, a little sad, excited. So it's the next big phase. In terms of pumping for work, there are definitely things that you can do to probably ease that transition. And I think the first thing is to have conversations with your employer And the first being like, what are your plans about pumping at work? And Mm -hmm. I mean, law mandates that you get some time and you get some space to do that. Mm -hmm. But making sure that that plan is known and that it's a verbal plan, but it's also probably a written plan. Yeah. Also, maybe even having those conversations with your employer about options. Maybe it's flexible scheduling. So it makes daycare drop-off pickup easier Mm -hmm. or maybe temporary part-time or that first week back starting midweek instead of Monday or whatever the options are, but just something that might help ease the transition. And businesses benefit from your retention. They want you back. And so it's okay to, when we talk about, you know, advocating for yourself, it's okay to advocate in the workplace too. Yeah. It does take Again, being that nice squeaky wheel about it, being like, this is what I need. I have been surprised when I have asked for things that I needed schedule wise with my kids, how readily my employer was like, okay. Yeah. Cause they don't, they don't know that you want that or need that until right. you communicate it. Yeah. But they would have never offered it to me No, because they're not thinking about my home life and what's happening. I think the schedule arrangement with the later drop off or like that type of thing, I think that could be clutch for a lot of women because if you could reduce one time, you have to set up all your gear and pump and do all the things, it makes it easier. Yeah. Lots of people work remotely now too. I mean, yeah. there just seems to not be that where everyone works nine to five Monday through Friday. It yeah. seems like there's a lot more, a lot more options. Yeah. For a lot more flexibility. flexibility. Yeah. So I think take advantage of that. Absolutely. So one big topic that I want to make sure we cover because I feel like it isn't done enough is you see a lot of women who try their absolute best with early breastfeeding attempts, but then either they can't or they don't continue. And I do too. And the common theme that I see around that is a sense of failure. Even though breastfeeding is this really small part of a woman's 
parenting journey. It feels like it becomes the whole thing mm-hmm. for so many moms. So tell me about your conversations with these moms. How do we support this group, give them more grace? And how do we change our perspective on what it means to breastfeed successfully? Yeah, you're right. I think we've attached some really strong emotions around infant feeding. And when it doesn't go as planned, there's a really strong sense of failure. I mean, it's what I think saddens me most um, Mm -hmm. sitting in those consults, because it's not that these moms aren't doing what we're asking them to do. I mean, they are following the rigorous feeding plan. Mm -hmm. They are using creams and syringes and tubing and I mean, and pumps and they're doing it all. And yet, despite that, maybe things are not going well. And so I think we need to redefine success. I mean, success is not rates and numbers and exclusive versus non-exclusive. Success is what you say is success. You get to define that. And that can be around feeding too. A lot of times I ask moms at the start of my consult, what are your feeding goals? And many of them will say, well, I don't know. I just want to give her the most breast milk I can. And I say, well, that's what you're doing. It doesn't have to be 100% Mm -hmm. or 50%. It could be even just drops or it could be a few days in the hospital of breastfeeding or a few weeks. It doesn't need to be three months or six months or one year or two years. So I think we need to kind of redefine success so that moms don't feel devastated when the milk isn't flowing Uh (laughs) because it's not always their fault. I mean, there's a lot of variables in the equation. Yeah. And we just need to, like you're saying, the grace. And that grace, I think, can come from us. We can, you know, try to have these conversations where, you know, we we talk about that babies are getting all the benefits of breast milk in any quantity. And there's so much more to parenting. I mean, feeding is important, mm-hmm. but feeding is not everything. Mm-hmm. But also that grace that moms can give themselves that they can maybe not compare themselves to others or feel judged by people. I mean, their baby is definitely not judging them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Your baby doesn't care. No. Wait, wait for the teenagers for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, Lord. <laughs> I'll come to you for another podcast at that time yeah. and ask you advice. <laughs> so, I mean, we can give ourselves grace and we can, you know, be easy on ourselves and realize this is all new, right? Having a newborn. That's what it's all about is you're kind of learning on the job and it would be nice if everything was linear and went well, but that's just not the case with parenting. Yeah. I think it was the seventies or eighties that the, this kind of movement came about or the study about like the good enough parent. And I think that that really is difficult for women because I think we grow up with our appearance matters, the way we show up matters. Like we're much more tied to perfection than I think men are. And I think breastfeeding is one of those areas where it's okay, now I'm in this role where this defines me as a mom and I better do it perfectly or else I have missed the mark. Where's my identity? It's so much bigger than just feeding your baby. Yeah. And you and I both are advocates of the American Academy of Pediatrics breastfeeding policies and believe in like all the benefits of breast milk and yada, yada, yada. I mean, that's like, it's, you know, not about that at all, but it's more about, okay, so you try your best, did your darndest, you got all the help you needed, your nipples are bleeding or you don't have any milk or like all the things. Okay. Then what, who are you? You're still an amazing mom, no matter what happens in terms of the breastfeeding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think it's enough to preach all the benefits of breast milk and say it's the best. And then like we said, say, you know, congrats and good luck. I think 
the moms need support and guidance. And it can be hard. And it's okay to say like, that was really hard. But, you know, I was able to get through it. I always say, you know, running a marathon is hard and people get medals for that. You know, breastfeeding can be hard and you get the big like, I told you so. Right. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Where's my medal? I want a medal. (laughs) I think we deserve some medals. Um, It's just, it's not a one size fits all. For some moms, it's going to be this. And for some moms, it's going to be that. And I don't think the numbers and the rates should define success or failure. And that shouldn't be the gauge. Yeah. It should be, you know, if you had a good breastfeeding experience and it only lasted two days, well, great. Then you're going to go tell your friends, oh, that was a good experience. If you had a terrible breastfeeding experience that lasted two months, you're going to send that message out there. So I think, you know, keeping things positive and yeah. Okay. I feel like we have covered a lot of ground here. I think that moms are going to feel like they're better prepared when they're at the hospital to ask for help, to feel like they can do that. When people are searching out who was a good lactation consultant, can you tell me the letters behind the name again that make it so that they're like a certified <laughs> person? <laughs> yes. So it's IBCLC. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So, cause you just don't want someone who's, I kind of know something about breastfeeding. You want someone who actually is a certified Yeah. Yeah. So it's the internationally board certified lactation consultant and some lactation consultants are RNs, some are non-RNs. Like you're talking about, there's lactation consultants in the hospital, in private practice, in clinics. So we're out there. I mean, a good resource would be asking your pediatrician for a reference or asking the hospital where you delivered. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really Thanks for having me here. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's all about helping moms be successful, not even successful, just feel like their whole their whole people as they enter motherhood. So Yeah. yeah, we appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Hey, hey, hey. If you loved this episode, make sure to subscribe to the Modern Mommy Doc podcast so you're automatically notified every time we have powerful information, inspiration, and amazing guests to share with you. We would also be so honored if you shared the Modern Mommy Doc podcast with your friends by snapping a screenshot of this episode and posting it with hashtag Modern Mommy Doc so we can spread the word and help more mamas win at parenting without losing themselves. Thanks for being part of our community. 